Hello and welcome to Rikakuru podcast. Waking up tired is the worst feeling ever. It almost matches staring at the ceiling while not being able to sleep. Sleep is important. Yet there are many unsolved mysteries especially at the molecular and cellular level. Today we have with us Dr. Yu Hayashi from the sleep lab at the School of Science of the University of Tokyo. We answer questions like why we sleep better after a workout, how to improve our memories and how the lack of sleep affects us. Thank you so much for being with us today. Your lab studies nematode worms and mice to understand sleep. Uh when I visited your lab earlier, you showed me how you keep these nematode worms in mm-hmm. petri dishes. Uh, those are basically soil-dwelling animals that feed on bacteria. Yes. Right. How do you know when these worms are asleep and when they're awake? So we uh, judge whether they are awake or asleep based on their um, body movements, and also um, these worms are when they're awake, they're always eating. So we can also. check whether they are um moving their uh, pharynx to check if they're sleeping or not so essentially they kind of curl up in in a, in a corner or somewhere if they're sleeping um they don't go to the corner but you can see from their distinct posture like they're in a kind of look like hockey stick like posture when they're sleeping there are so many animals that sleep right why study sleep in worms and mice particularly is it useful mm-hmm. for humans yes so um worms we like these animals because um they are very well suited for um genetics and molecular biology and we also found that the genes that control sleep in worms also control non-REM sleep in mammals so we think we can understand about our sleep from worms and on the other hand we think rem sleep is not a highly conserved sleep so to study rem sleep we think we have to study um mammals so that's why we also study uh mice so you mentioned two things rem sleep and non rem sleep uh what exactly are they can you tell us mm-hmm. more about that uh when we fall asleep we uh, cycle between two types of sleep non-rem sleep and rem sleep we start with non-rem sleep what's the full form of rem uh, rem is rem stands for rapid eye movement so rem sleep is rapid eye movement sleep uh so uh, as this name shows um rem sleep is accompanied by uh rapid eye movements jerky eye movements and also when people are awakened from rem sleep they almost 100% say they are dreaming and what happens in the non rem sleep during non rem sleep um uh, overall our body becomes relaxed and uh, our heart rate becomes decreased and breathing also becomes uh, slow and during a uh, very deep non-rem sleep it is thought to be a important period for recovery so it's actually counterintuitive but um in rem sleep our heart rate is actually much higher mm. 
um, and in non-REM sleep it's much lower so we are relaxing uh, more in non-REM sleep is that right yeah um, uh, overall I think non-REM sleep is more relaxed but if we look into the skeletal muscles skeletal muscles become completely um, uh, relaxed during REM sleep um, which is probably to prevent our body from moving uh, when we dream sometimes you get these dreams where you're falling down mm -hmm. but, uh, but just before you fall down you wake up yeah, uh, yeah. as well and that's because of this that's because of maybe, partly maybe because of this uh, mus loss of muscle tone during REM sleep right and and you also uh, have these dreams where you want to move but you, you cannot you want to walk but you cannot mm. And that's also because your muscles are actually um, relaxed. So, is uh, that so? Maybe. Um, although it is very difficult to uh, study dreams because uh, currently we don't really know much about dreaming. So um, uh, we cannot uh, definitely say that, but pos possible. Talking about dreams, why do we actually dream? Do we know that? Um, that's a very difficult question and t currently um, we have no idea. Uh, dreaming might have some important meanings, or perhaps it is just a kind of byproduct of um, noisy brain activity. We really don't know uh, almost anything about dreams. But there are certain predictions that scientists are making, um, that other groups are making. Mm -hmm. For example, one of them is that dreams are like simulations in our, in our brain, mm -hmm. uh, that our brain just runs them so that it can learn things about our surroundings, our relationships with people. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Um, of course, it's not impossible that such things are, uh, such roles are conveyed by dreams, but um, the issue is uh, we really uh, don't know anything about the function of dreams. It's um, bit, that is an, also an interesting hypothesis, but uh, with current techniques, I think there's not much way to prove it. Going back to your studies on worms and mice, do worms also have these different sleep cycle, uh, different uh, stages in sleep? Um, in case of worms, they only currently we only have found one type of sleep, so we think they don't have. Uh, two types like humans. And which is why you study mice, because you can study REM sleep as yes. well in, in mice. Exactly. Okay, and in your lab you also manipulate REM sleep in mm. mice. How exactly do you do that? So, um, we previously identified neurons that control the initiation or termination of REM sleep. So, we um, what we do is we uh, introduce external genes which allow um, either the activation or the inhibition of uh, neuronal activity into these neurons. Then if we um, manipulate the activity of these cells or even kill these cells, we can make mice that have uh, increased REM sleep, decreased REM sleep. So essentially, you devised a switch, molecular switch, mm. so you can turn on and turn off REM sleep at will. 
based on how you manipulate this switch, which is basically a neuron. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, that sounds fascinating. Um, so how do you, how do you actually do this? Do you use light to activate um, certain proteins, or how do you actually <clears throat> turn on the switch? Yeah, we have actually several patterns. We made several patterns. One is, as you mentioned, uh, we use optogenetics, which is a very currently popular tool in neuroscience, we, in which we put light-sensitive uh, proteins into the these neurons, and then when we shine light, we can either increase or uh, or decrease REM sleep immediately. Other than that, we also can do like um, introduce a gene that will cause the cell death, and then we can, for example, basically remove neurons that control REM sleep or not, uh, uh, and then we can get a mice that has very high level of REM sleep or very low level of REM sleep. So is that a permanent effect or can you reverse it? In, if we kill these cells, it's a permanent effect. And if we use light-activated proteins, we can just temporarily control it. So what, what happens to these mice whose REM sleep has been permanently turned off? Um, actually, that's what we are very much uh, interested in. So we started this about 15 years ago, and we finally can um, really uh, uh, control REM sleep. So what is the outcome th that we are now uh, going to investigate? Right, so you're still not sure what happens if you completely remove REM right. sleep. In addition to manipulating REM, you also directly peep into the mice brain during its REM sleep mm. stage. How exactly are you able to do that? How do you yes. actually look into the brain when it's sleeping, mm. and especially when it's sleeping in REM stage? Right, so um, uh, there's a, a recently a very um, powerful microscope called two-photon microscope, and it allows to look into the deep brain even from the surface of the brain in living mice. So what we do is we put a glass window on the skull of a mice and put it under this microscope and we have to train the mice so that they will uh, they get used to being fixed under the microscope. Once they get trained they are okay so that they, are, they can fall asleep and then we look into the brain of these mice that are under deep uh, non-REM sleep or REM sleep. What do you actually observe using this microscope? Yeah, we, we've been looking into both cell uh, neurons and also other cells and the, what, what we most intensively worked on is the, um, the, how the blood flow in the, uh, in the capillaries, the, very, the smallest blood uh, vessels, what, how the blood flow in these capillaries changes during sleep. And what did you find out? Yeah, and as a result, what we found is that in the capillaries of the neocortex, the blood flow is very high during REM sleep, um, as much as twice as high as when mice are, uh, are doing exercise. And so REM sleep is a state where our blood flow in the cortex is very high. So essentially, when an animal is in REM sleep, it, um, more blood 
passes through the cortex which is a part region in the brain which has sensory motor uh, regions yeah uh, right yeah so what function does this serve so um, we're not sure at this moment but we think um, it allows to provide uh, supply of energy and also remove uh, toxic waste from the, our cortex during uh, REM sleep. So when you defined REM sleep earlier, you mentioned about the irregular heart rate mm -hmm. uh, during REM sleep. Is that somehow related to high amount of RBCs mm -hmm. during REM sleep? Uh, that, that, that's a very important question and actually the answer is no. Um, the blood flow in the brain and the blood flow in the rest of the body are quite independently regulated so that even during increased heart rate basically our blood flow in the brain doesn't change and so um, so the increase in blood flow during REM sleep is a, a, a something that is controlled locally in the brain we think. Ah, that's fascinating how they even do that locally control mm -hmm. the blood. Is, is there a mechanism? Um, yeah, we are not currently quite sure how it happens but the increase in blood flow in the capillaries is most cases due to um, the dilation of arterioles. Arterioles are the arteries that are just upstream of capillaries and uh, we found that um, uh, the high blood flow during REM sleep in the brain requires uh, adenosine. Adenosine is known to be a, a metabolite that controls, that promotes uh, arterial uh, dilation. So we think for some reason adenosine signaling is very high during REM sleep, which causes um, increased blood flow. So essentially this uh, chemical opens up the blood vessels a bit more, enlarges them, and so that's how you get more and more blood in, yeah, in the brain exactly. during that stage. Talking about the other sleep stage, which is non-REM, it, it has been associated with uh, uh, memory uh, mm -hmm. recollection. Uh, basically, consolidation of memory mm -hmm. happens during that stage. and. A lot of students want to know how to improve memory mm -hmm. and there have been some experiments to show having a better non-REM sleep actually improves your memory. Can you describe, can you explain mm -hmm. that to us? Yeah, so um, one very influential paper in our field that showed that non-REM sleep is important for memory consolidation in humans showed that um, uh, when the uh, subjects human subjects are asked to learn a new thing. Um, if you give them a, a order, specific order during this task, and then give the order again while the subject is in non-REM sleep, then the next day the memory is well improved. And this effect was not uh, obtained if you give the order during wake, a subsequent wake or REM sleep. So it has to be during subsequent deep non-REM sleep if you want to improve the uh, memory consolidation. Right, so if I get that right, suppose I'm studying for my exam and I keep an incense beside me mm -hmm. and then uh, when I'm asleep I keep the incense mm -hmm. on and whatever I studied will be remembered better next day right. because of that smell association. Yeah, 
and if you keep that smell throughout the night because it also goes through the REM sleep as well then you wouldn't have the same memory right so um, this group later showed that um, if you give the oil during non-REM sleep it's beneficial but if you give it during wake or REM sleep it might actually worsen the memory consolidation so you should not keep it throughout the night it has to be during the um, specifically non-REM sleep right so how exactly do i know <laughs> when yeah. i'm going through non-REM sleep then it, yeah it's very difficult but uh the deepest non-REM sleep usually comes like um, about 30 minutes after your entrance to sleep so maybe you can turn it on during that period and then about one hour after falling asleep you you might gradually enter REM sleep so then you should um, stop the odor right somebody should really make an app that can actually turn on uh, an incense uh, for the REM sleep and, mm. and turn it off non-REM sleep and then turn it off for REM sleep <laughs> that would be that would make million dollars if you yeah. ask me <laughs> During non-REM sleep, there are also other things at the molecular level that happen, especially in terms of waste removal. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, so um, uh, we, um, in our lab, we, as I, you asked earlier, we are using worms to study sleep. And one thing we found is, starting from our worm study, is that in the, in the, uh, if in we in our peripheral tissues, if there are more and more um, uh, uh, unfolded proteins, unfolded proteins are um, kind of uh, toxic waste in, that accumulates in our cells uh, when they're overloaded. So during our wake, these unfolded proteins increase, and that causes worms to sleep. And then during sleep, the um, for some reason, this is a, a, a result to some level. And we also found that um, in case of mice, uh, this toxic uh, unfold proteins increases non-REM sleep. So we think non-REM sleep is a state that uh, allows to reduce uh, these toxic unfolded proteins from all our, our whole body. And actually, in case of the brain, there are other people's studies also saying that um, in the brain, the uh, drainage system kind of becomes more active during non-REM sleep, so, which might also help remove toxic proteins. Right, so when you talk about unfolded proteins, <clears throat> what you mean is when proteins are made, they need to be actually in a particular shape for them to mm. act uh, and do their function and if they are not folded properly those actually become toxic exactly. and that's what you call unfolded proteins. Yeah, exactly. So, or maybe misfolded protein might be an even more uh, appropriate way to say that. Yeah. Right, so these misfolded proteins, uh, when they accumulate uh, a lot, that's when you feel sleepy and then they get cleared up in during uh, non-REM sleep. Mm -hmm. Right, so how, how does our body know that there's an accumulation of these proteins? Um, that's a good point. Uh, we are not completely sure about it. We found that um, there are proteins in the cell that are sensing the accumulation of um, 
these misfolded proteins and send signals to the brain to request for increased sleep. But this, how, the, how that kind of、um, signaling between the peripheral and brain happens, we are not、uh, sure yet. There are some proteins that detect these misfolded,、uh, mm. some receptors that de- detect these,、mm. uh, and then it informs the brain, but we're not exactly sure how the whole process right. happens. Exactly. Right. Apart from、uh, at night, there are two times when I get sleepy. One is just after my lunch. I'm always sleepy, so I need a nap. And the other time is just after working out. So, what's Making me sleepy during these two different times.、Mm-hmm. So,、um, after eating, how、um, sleep is in,、uh, increased is、uh, not well understood yet. Um, uh, and, but it does happen in many animals, so there should be some concerned mechanisms, I think. And, and when you're、uh, too. W- Too tired, worn out. I think um, uh, one, at least one reason is, as I mentioned earlier, during active working, the、um, many cells are actively producing more and more new proteins, which also leads to increasing misfolded proteins. And that is at least one thing that is causing the sleepiness, I think. So far in your research, you've、uh, looked at the role of non REM sleep and REM sleep. In, in mice and、um, uh, worms. What are the other mysteries of sleep that keep you awake at night, so to say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,、um, uh, related to REM sleep,、um, uh, one interesting question is、um, babies have a lot of REM sleep. And,、um, Many people think it might be doing something important for our brain maturation, and,、um, but no one really knows what, do- what REM sleep is doing in babies, and that's one very exciting question. And another is、um, in case of elderly, pe-、um, REM sleep gradually decreases, but、um, especially for people who eventually develop dementia, they have very low. Amounts of REM sleep. And another interesting question we want to know is if we, if we can artificially increase REM sleep, would that prevent dementia or would it also lead to、um, elongation of our healthy lifespan? Talking about、uh, Alzheimer's, there's、uh, some research where they've shown the role of sleep in getting rid of these protein clumps.、Mm. So basically, the disease is caused by、uh, accumulation of protein clumps、mm. in the brain, right?、Mm-hmm. And how does sleep actually, is there any evidence to show that sleep actually changes that?、Mm. So there are studies that show that restricting sleep will lead to more accumulation of toxic proteins in the brain. And、um, there are also studies saying that.、Um, The flow of liquid in our brain, which helps、uh, drain waste, happens during non REM sleep, which might be beneficial for、uh, removing these、um, proteins. But one、uh, mystery is、um, people with、uh, low amounts of REM sleep have a、uh, higher risk of Alzheimer's, but 
the relation between uh, non-REM sleep and risk of Alzheimer's has not been very well shown. So um, still it's a mystery, the relation between sleep and dementia. D dementia are dementia and Alzheimer's similar? Um, so look, uh, uh, Alzheimer's dementia is a kind of the major uh, cause about in Japanese maybe 40% of the dementia patients are Alzheimer's and um, and other than Alzheimer's there are a lot of other types of dementia and low amount of REM sleep is a risk for both Alzheimer's disease and for dementia in general. Can uh, the basic research, the fundamental research that you do in your lab be used to come up with medication or can be can it be applied for treating sleep disorders in humans mm -hmm. so um, one thing uh, um, the past history of sleep medicine has taught us is basically the what we find in mice is most cases translatable to humans and um, and so if we can find a uh, that REM sleep is beneficial for preventing uh, uh, diseases, then I think that will be also applied to humans. But uh, another issue in case of humans is currently there's not a very, very effective way to increase REM sleep. So um, that part is also uh, uh, need to be tackled in uh, mice. And we, we are also working on that. I presume that sleep habits are not something that we have in common with uh, mice, for example. Mm -hmm. So for us to be able to sleep better, we need like a particular environment. Are there any takeaways from your research that can inform how we can sleep better? Based on our research in both worms and mice, we think um, uh, uh, a low level of stress um, or burden, uh, like uh, maybe interacting with other other individuals and also having some stress, is actually good for driving um, uh, high quality deep sleep. But if we if the stress exceeds a certain level or if it's too chronic, if it's not, if it continues too long, then it will eventually have an opposite effect of worsening sleep. So um, controlling stress is uh, very important for sleep, I think. That's really interesting to know. So essentially, we need a right amount of stress to be mm -hmm. able to sleep better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we don't need too much stress. Right. Well, I, I, I hope we all can um, make that balance uh, mm. when we sleep. Uh, my final question is, do you have any reading suggestions for our audiences if they want to learn more about sleep? Actually, there's a quite old book which is no longer sold as new ones. You can sometimes find old ones uh, called um, Ishikito no. Um, this is an old book written by a physiologist who re was really um, tackling how the brain controls sleep and so it really describes the um, history of how um, the mechanism of sleep regulation was uh, uh, proceeded. Um, of course, mo most of the core questions are yet unsolved, but still it's a very exciting book.
Thank you so much for your time today and we learned a lot about sleep. Uh, so we really appreciate you Thank giving you. us insight. Thank you so much Remember, a good night's sleep is essential for our well-being. So make sure you prioritize your rest. Until next time, sleep tight. But before that, please share and subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening.